you know, we have before us today probably what is one of my most favorite passages of Scripture. I know I like, say that like all the time about every passage of Scripture, but, but it is so true. But we have the, the story where Jesus heals a, a blind man, and, and it's captured in, in Matthew's Gospel, Mark's as well as Luke's. And, and Jesus had just shared for the third time what he would experience in, in Jerusalem, that he would be, be rejected, that he would be spat upon, that he would uh, suffer, and that we, he would be killed, and on the third day that he would rise again. And it's here that Jesus is approaching Jericho on his way to Jerusalem and he encounters a blind man sitting by the side of the road. As many of you may remember from your Sunday school days, right, the walls of Jericho came tumbling down, you know, they, the first six days they marched around it once for six days and on the seventh day they marched around it seven times and on the seventh time they yelled, they blasted their trumpets and, and the walls came tumbling down. But eventually, Jerusalem itself was rebuilt and, and it created a corridor by which that people would travel to on their way to Jerusalem. And since it was the Passover, man, the road would be busy. And much like a main intersection where, where people may, may camp in order to beg and to receive, receive those gifts that are needed, you know, that's what this blind man did. He sat himself in a place where people would not be able to, to move by, where people would, would have to notice him. Even though they were called to take care of those who were in need, a lot of people didn't stop. A lot of people simply kept walking. And I think that we do the same thing when it comes to life. Sometimes we pass by one another each and every day. And seldom do we pause long enough to, to notice somebody, let alone to hear their story or what's going on in their lives. You know, I was shopping uh, the other day at uh, my favorite grocery store, and, and I think I'm there like at least once, if not twice a day. And so there's some familiar faces that you get to know. And I'm, as I'm in the checkout line, I made a comment to one of the people at the register, and, and I said, I, I just want to pause, and I want to say thank you. Every time I come in, you just have a great smile, and, and that smile really just warms my heart. And I just said, I, I just think about how cool the impact is that you have with, on the people around you that come in every day or, or once in a while, and, and they see, see that smile. And I said, that is such a gift. And the person started smiling even more broadly. And then, then, I, then I asked like a pastor thing, and I said, you know, uh, I hope the smile that you have on the ins outside matches what's going on on the inside. And all of a sudden, that smile that was just beaming across their face went to, went to a frown, and they looked like they were defeated. And they said, it doesn't. It doesn't match. You see, those sitting by the roadside are, are not simply those who are begging for food or, or begging for a place to stay, but those people who are longing for a connection to be seen, to be, to be heard, to with a, a, greeted with a warm or kind smile or even, even a kind word. And, and maybe that's where you're finding yourself today, longing for a connection. You feel like you're just kind of this, this face in a crowd. You come in to worship, you, you leave worship, but you, you're longing for that connection. And while Luke doesn't identify the name of the blind man in his gospel, we come to know that the name of the man is Bartimaeus, uh, as captured in Mark's gospel. You see, sometimes in life, we don't, we don't get to know somebody by name. We, we, maybe it's because we, well, we don't want to have that connection, or it's easier to keep him at arm's length if we, if we don't have that name. Yet I want to I break down this morning just briefly that name Bartimaeus. 
Bar, of course, meaning, meaning son of, and Timaeus means honor. So, so the name of the blind man actually means son of honor which is certainly mirrored in his response that he's going to be giving to Jesus in just a moment, but, but it's a reminder simply that every life has honor. Every life has dignity. And like any parent, right, when we chose the names or our parents chose our names, right, it wasn't just because, well, they liked it or, or that they could agree on it because, because, let's face it, they didn't have somebody in their life that they didn't like with that name. So, so then the name you have means that your parents agreed that they didn't hate that person. Okay, so that, I don't know if that's really good. But anyway, but, but we, we name our children not just with names that we like, but, but those names carry a depth of meaning. There's a story around it, not just a story, there's hopes that are intertwined with that name and that purpose. And just like we have those hopes intertwined in our names about about who we would be, what we will be like, the same is true with the blind man. His parents named him Son of Honor. Their hopes and their dreams all captured in this, this little one. And the reality here is everyone is someone's son or daughter. We are all children of God, and this passage reminds us of the simplicity of that message that we are all brothers in Christ, and as such, we should be a reflection of the one who has called us by name. So how are we reflecting that light of Jesus in and through our lives? Which brings us to our text for today, where Bartimaeus is sitting by the side of the road. He is waiting for a miracle, and not only a miracle of a little spare change, he is waiting for the miracle of a change in his life. And maybe right now you can identify with, with Bartimaeus. Maybe you're searching for some sort of miracle. Maybe you're, you're yearning for some divine intervention in a part of your life, whether it's in terms of your job, your work. Maybe it's in terms of, of your relationship with your spouse, you know, your marriage. Uh, maybe, maybe it's a matter of that, that you, it's more of a concern for a child or a grandchild, that, that prodigal son or daughter that has kind of drifted away from the faith. Maybe that's on your heart today, or maybe it's still deliverance from addiction that you have, or maybe the freedom from from sin. But we all have something, right? We're all looking for a miracle to transform our lives. And I would imagine that there's some right here, right now, that need God right here, right now, because of what's going on in their lives. And maybe you're experiencing a sense of blindness because of something that's weighing on you. It's distracting your spirit. Maybe you've been wrestling with it for some time and and it's been years that you've been wrestling with it or maybe it's something new and and you're just trying to come to grips with what what this all means, what this new season of life is all about as it feels like your life is just crumbling down around you. So I'm going to ask you, what is on your heart today? What is weighing on your spirit? Where do you find yourself on the road of life? And what miracle are you praying for right now? And it's in this moment that Barnabas senses that something's going on around him. You see, without his sense of sight, all of his other senses would, would have been heightened, right? And for my John Wick 4 fans out there, it's like Cain, right? Cain couldn't see, but he, he noticed the vibrations. He, he, he noticed the, the sounds around him. He, he noticed the bad guy's cologne, and bad guys smell worse than good guys, so that's how you tell them apart. The question I found myself asking is, how am I using my other senses to see God at work in my life. When, when my eyes tell me one thing, 
when I look at my circumstances or my ears say one thing, what, what is God saying in the midst of that times? What is he saying through his spirit? What is he saying through the still small voice in my life? You see, our eyes and our ears can often deceive us, right? They tell us one thing, but how is God speaking to us through his word, through the other voices in our lives, those, those people that he's placed in, in our care? What is he saying through the, the words that you're reading in an article or, or that, you're, that you're listening to in, in a song of praise and worship or, or simply that still small voice? You see, the trials and the hardships and the, and the losses of life can be the loudest clamoring for our attention. But what is God saying in the background? And are we keeping our ears and our hearts and our minds open to what those things might be? You know, how are we keeping those ourselves open to those things, those things that God is saying in the background? And sometimes it's as easy as a click of a slide. Who knows what God is saying to you this morning? What is the word that's, that's right before you? But if your focus is on me, if your focus is on my voice, you know what? Maybe you might miss the word that God's speaking to you. So not knowing what's going on, but perceiving the commotion, the murmuring of the crowd, the dust being kicked up by those around, and Barmaeus casts his voice out into to this abyss, and he asks, what is happening? And he's met with a reply. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. I got to tell you, this response is like saying, well, it's Pat from Oakdale, right? There's really no depth here. There's, there's no, no meat to this response. And I wonder, how are we recognizing the presence of God in our lives, or are we just chalking his work up to, to someone or something, or, you know, I'm blessed because, you know, man, I work hard. I, I do what I'm supposed to do. Are, are we giving God the credit, or are we simply giving credit elsewhere? Are we simply placing our understanding of God's work and dismissing it in our lives? Well, that's, that's Pete from Oakdale. Yet notice, sorry, Pete from Oakdale is here. I'm not picking on you this morning. I'm sorry. Yet notice the significance, the testimony of the response of, of Bartimaeus gives in verse 38. Then he shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And by using this title, right, Bartimaeus recognizes that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is of the throne and the lineage of David, that the Messiah would be the son of God. You see, the world may be telling us one thing about who Jesus is. But just as Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? It's the answer to that question, our own personal answer, that is going to make all the difference in this world as well as in the next. Who do you say that I am? Am I Pete from Oakdale? Or am I somebody of significance, your Lord, your Savior, the Messiah? See, even though he was physically blind, unable to perceive light with his eyes, he, he instead saw with eyes of faith, he saw that this was Jesus, the Son of God, that this was the light of the world, the promised Messiah, who would not only free him, but would free all people. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Right? He knew it to be true. 
He knew that this was Messiah, and refusing to let this opportunity pass him by, he appeals to the mercy of God. Back to our text for today, the man had just cried out, yet, yet rather than uplifting the man and crying with him, what happens next? Those who were in front of him sternly ordered him to be quiet. Church, they rebuked him. They scolded him. They told him to pipe down and keep quiet. I love the Greek word for this phrase. The Greek translation of what's going on here is, And I can't help but think about all the voices in our lives that are trying to quiet and to stifle and to silence us, who are quick to speak a word of discouragement and and shut us down when it comes to our faith, or or maybe they're the ones who are are placing that seed of doubt when it comes to what we believe to be true. They're saying, "Well, well, how can you believe that? I mean, that's just a crutch that that people use. I mean, you don't really believe that stuff, right? Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you have people in your family who are saying that. Maybe you have people in your friend group who are saying that. How could you believe that stuff? And notice, even if Bartimaeus could see their physical presence, they were standing in front of them and they blocked him from seeing how, how often people use their power and position to intimidate us, right? They use their presence and Paul challenges readers not to be intimidated. Don't let those, those others with, with authority or fame distract you from who you're called to follow and the gift that you've been given. Yet this interaction right here also causes me to pause a little bit and to ask myself, well, well, where am I putting a physical stumbling block in front of somebody else in terms of faith? And maybe it's because of my words. Maybe it's because of my actions. Maybe it's because of, of my attitude or how I react. You see, sometimes even people of faith can be a stumbling block and they can cause a barrier to be placed in front of someone who is searching and yearning for a presence with Jesus. Yet it's not just those external voices that seek to silence or discourage, right? Sometimes it's the voice from within. Sometimes it's that voice of of self-doubt that percolates in us that that oftentimes is the most harmful to our faith that that seeks to keep us silent, right? Who am I? Paul, Paul shares this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. He says, we destroy arguments and every proud obstacle raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. And I want to ask you, what thought that's wrestling in your mind right now do you need to hold captive? What thought that is wrestling and churning in your mind right now that you need to hold captive? Is it, is it the, the voice of doubt, fear, worry, a critical or negative spirit? Maybe it's insecurity. That, that you're, that's the voice that's wrestling with. What does this text say? We are to take every thought captive to obey Christ. Why? Because Christ has power and authority above all things. So, so after they tried to silence him, look at what Bartimaeus does next. He, but he shouted even more loudly, son of David, have mercy on me. He cries out even louder. He refused to let this moment pass him by. Yet how often, let me ask you, do we allow Jesus to walk through the corridors of our lives and don't cry out? How often do we remain silent? Cry out, church, 
against that voice that tries to silence you. Cry out against that voice that tries to discourage you. Try out against that voice that, that tries to pull you down and to keep you under, knowing that Jesus is the only one who can transform and can save. Tell you what, let's put it this way. If your boat is sinking, you're in the middle of the lake, right, or even the ocean, what do you do? You start yelling, right? And somebody comes along by, by on their yacht and goes, shh, what would you say to them? Okay, I don't want to hear what you'd actually say to them, right? You're being too loud. At what point, at what point do we become desperate enough to cry out to Jesus? At what point do we not even care what other voices are saying because we know we're in trouble and we are in need of a Savior? And if you're thinking this morning, well, kind of fearful that, that, that he might find out something about me that, I'm not, that, I, that I don't feel comfortable sharing, here's the deal. He's acquainted with all our ways. He, he knows where we've been. He knows our struggles. He knows our sins. So why not cry out? James chapter 4 verse 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. And maybe the reason we do not cry out and ask is because we're kind of afraid of the work that God might do in our hearts or in our minds or, or will he will call us to let go of because there's some things in our lives that we've built up as strongholds and we're thinking, I'd rather hold on to this than actually take a hold of the life that God is offering me. We'd rather try to get peace the wrong way than to get peace from the one who can actually provide peace. We try to live with the burden that, that, that we're carrying rather than to place that burden into God's hands. We'd rather be anxious and, and, and carrying the weight of guilt and shame rather than, than place our lives in, in the hands of the one that can truly restore us. We're making a poor choice when we had it on our own. Cry out to Jesus. And if not with our lips at a minimum, with our hearts. In fact, I want you to notice the change that takes place in the man's voice as we move from verse 38 to verse 39, which brings us to our message title for today. Um, it's not a wingdings font for those of you who are wondering what the world you're looking at, but it's actually the Greek words for cry out. It's, it's boao, uh, bo right, and krazo. Boao and krazo. And boao is like this loud shout as if to raise your voice above a crowd. Like, like you might do it at, a, at dinner to be heard, right, if you're out at a restaurant. Or, or let's say you're at a, you were at the Taylor Swift concert, you would cry out, I love you, Taylor. And then she would say, I love you, random person, right? That, that kind of, you lift your voice a little bit louder than everybody else's. Crazo, on the other hand, is like when, when you, your kids are playing outside and they come running through the door and they just start screaming at the top of their lungs. And it is the type of scream that you think somebody died. Okay, you got the image in your head, you got that picture, only to find out that is just for the ice cream truck that they were in. Ice cream, right? That, that level, that level. This is the type of crying out when you're in trouble, when you are drifting at sea, when you are about to drown and go underneath the water, you give out the shout that is at the top of your lungs and your voice is actually cracking. See, Bartimaeus recognized that Jesus was the only one who could do a transforming work in his life. And he screamed at the top of his lungs. He says, help me, Jesus. And Jesus stopped. Stopped dead in his tracks. 
See, what I love about this passage of Scripture is that even though Jesus set his eyes on Jerusalem, he he set his eyes on the cross, he was probably preoccupied about what awaited him. He stopped to care for a blind man. It wasn't based on what the blind man had or what the blind man could offer Jesus. It was solely on the mercy and the grace of God, and Jesus stopped. Cry out, church, whatever's on your heart today. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever pain you're wrestling with, cry out to Jesus. Lift up your voice above all the other voices. In fact, notice what Jesus asked the man, verse 41. He says, what do you want me to do for you? And what I love about this statement is that Jesus invites us to be specific with our prayers. And maybe you have a specific prayer on your heart today. You, you prayed it so many times, you, you know the details, you know the ins and outs of those prayers. If Jesus were passing by right now, what would you ask for? What miracle would you pray for? When you need God to bring healing to your body, cry out to Jesus. When you're struggling to, to make ends meet, cry out to Jesus. When your marriage and, and your relationships are crumbling around you, cry out to Jesus. When your friend group has turned their back on you, cry out to Jesus. When, when you are finding yourself in, in a mindset of scarcity, cry out to Jesus that he might move you to a mentality of abundance. Where in your life do you need a miracle right now? Just don't boao, right crazo. Cry out, church. Ask Be specific and trust in him. So given this wonderful opportunity, the man replies, he said, Lord, Lord, let me see again. And notice, he didn't blame God for his circumstances. Why me? Why am I going through this? Oh, man, are you even a good God? Are you even listening? He simply made a request. You see, oftentimes, the greatest disconnect when it comes to people and their faith is that they start with that question, well, why me? Why am I going through this? Why do I have to carry this burden? And by focusing our attention and our time, we not only get drained, but oftentimes that that mentality, that philosophy can harden our hearts and our spirits and can also impact our relationship with our Heavenly Father. The the man who is is blind says to Jesus, here's here's what I got, Lord. And you know it completely. You you know what I'm carrying and and I offer it to you. That is my humble prayer. You see, Jesus works in spite of our circumstances. In fact, he goes on to say, receive your sight, your faith has saved you. Now, what's important to note here is that the translations sometimes uh, that, that, that's used in this text um, can, can impact the statement. We, we see a mistranslation oftentimes in, in the, the story of the ten lepers, that one was healed and one came back, and, and, and we read, your faith has made you well, and your faith has healed you. And oftentimes, depending on your, your translation, this might be different than your faith has saved you. This is more accurate as, as the word here is sozo that's being used, and it means I delivered, I saved. Sozo, your faith here has literally saved you. It didn't make you well. It didn't heal you. It has saved you. You see, Jesus is not only meeting us in those places where we are longing for a miracle, in those places where we are spiritually broken and burdened, but he also offers us the gift of new life. Now, now what I find interesting in this exchange is that Jesus typically cures the, the spiritual ailment first, and then he goes and he cures the obvious physical ailment. We see that in Scripture, but not here. 
And perhaps the reason is that Jesus wanted to prove to the crowd beyond the shadow of the doubt that he was the Messiah, right? And not simply some guy from Nazareth. That the one who had the power to cure this blind man was the one who had the same power to lay down his life. That it wouldn't be taken from him, but he would lay it down by his own accord. In fact, think about the bookends as Jesus began his Galilean ministry. He goes to the temple, he opens up the scroll of Isaiah, and he begins reading. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and what? Recovery of sight to the blind, right? That's where he started, and that's where he's ending. That's where he's ending. And I love, I love that witness. So Jesus speaks out. So Jesus speaks, and what happens immediately? He regained his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And what I love about this is, is Bartimaeus didn't stop at the miracle. What, what he did next, he took his life and he followed and he proclaimed what God has done. And the question is, how are we following and how are we proclaiming the work of God in our lives? And I love this thought. Check this out. Those eyes of faith that had just been restored, think about this. As he followed, he followed Jesus to the cross. He witnessed with his new eyes the the suffering and the death and the crucifixion, but those same eyes also witnessed his resurrection. Talk about the gift of faith. Talk about the gift of new life. So with this verse 43 in mind, let me ask you, how Are you proclaiming the life-transforming work of God in your life? Have you lifted up your voice recently? Have you shared that word of what God is doing? Because that witness can not only transform your heart, it can also transform the lives of others. And when others hear what God is doing, they're going to also want to be a part of what God is doing in their lives. In fact, see what happens next. And all the people, when they saw it, praise God. And, 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 Bar, uh, Bar, Bartimaeus, excuse me, Bartimaeus turned to them, rebuked them, and said in Greek, shh, does it say that? I wish it did, because that would be so cool, right? That's my human side, right? No, not at all. They all glorified and praised God. See, people are yearning and searching for restoration, and Jesus is calling us from the side of the road to transform the crowd. So who can you transform this week? What word can you speak into their lives and what word can you speak into your own life? Your homework for this week, what I want you to do, uh, first of all, I want you to reread, now that we've kind of walked through this text together a little bit, I want you to reread Luke chapter 18, verse 35 through 43, and reflect on this question. Envision Jesus asking you the question, what do you want me to do for you? And with that in mind, pray over Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 through 21. And with your voice, cry out. For those of you who are looking for a little extra credit, uh, you'll read First Peter chapter 1, verse 8 through 9. You can start at verse 3. And then the question is, what comfort and hope does this gift of salvation give me even now as I am crying out, as I am lifting up my voice to the heavens? These things we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Ushers.